You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode 204, brought to you by the Five Poke at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Oh, Mike, everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Out here, just, you know, benching Nelson Aguilar. Just out here, just, just you know, you know how when I bench Nelson Aguilar, it worked, and now he's good? Just going to do that again, <laughs> and so then that'll work, and that'll be good. Is that fantasy implications? Did you really pick him up in fantasy? Oh, no, I'm talking about back in 20, 2016 when I benched him, like against the Green Bay Packers, and then it immediately right. improved his outlook, and he was a good player for three years here in Philadelphia. So, Ben, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about another Ben. I mean, not for long. It's Ben DiNucci, but we are going to be previewing this Eagles Cowboys matchup before we get into like to the like the specifics of that thing Ben there there is a bigger conversation surrounding the Eagles offense right now and that's the return of Jason Peters and how that should affect the offensive line configuration Mm -hmm. essentially what's going on is if Lane Johnson doesn't play it's Jason Peters at left tackle Jordan Mailata at right if Lane Johnson does play it would kick Mailata to the bench so a few things to unpack here Number one, do you stunt the growth of Jordan Mailata by robbing him valuable experience by forcing a move from left to right and then possibly all the way to the bench in this specific game? Number two, should the return of Peters even force that move to begin with? And, and like as far as number one goes, I think we all remember the Andre Dillard situation at right tackle, that fiasco last year. But like even with that, offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland is the best coach on this team at any position or level. And that's being proven by the fact that we are even having this conversation to begin with. So generally, I'm going to trust his judgment. Now, there is another question of, is it his judgment or is it Doug's judgment or is it the organization's love for Jason Peters that is dictating this move? Is it Howie? It, it, is the order like are the orders coming on from high? Like given the weird power structure of this front office and this coaching staff and the occasional meddling of owner Jeffrey Lurie, which I don't want to overlook at all. I don't know if I can answer that question either way, like with any kind of confidence. And to my eye, Jordan Mailata is playing better than Jason Peters was, but it's close. <laughs> You need the eye test for that because their analytics are almost identical in the passing game. I do think Mylotta has them by by a clip, though. Uh, Peters does bring experience and intelligence to the position, which has value. Uh, but let's be real. Mylotta is the future of that position for this year because there's no shot Jason Peters is getting through the rest yeah. of this thing healthy. Like, no shot. Right. So, in that case, do you favor continuity and youth or do you go with the experience? 
and I'd, I'd love to have like a fire and brimstone take on this one like many others have, but I don't think it's that straightforward. Uh, as I said, I think my lot is playing better and should not be relegated to the bench. So he would be my choice. So I do think they are making a mistake here. Uh, ben, your right. thoughts. So it, it depends on what you're prioritizing and how you're doing it and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of factors. So let's start from base one. Who's a better football player at left tackle, Jordan Mylotta or Jason Peters? You said Mylotta. I made a sound. Listen, Jason Peters got done up by Chase Young in week one, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. just got waxed by him. Jordan Mylotta is coming off a game which Kyler Fackrell beat him multiple times. So let's right, not true. act like one of them has been locking up dudes and the other one hasn't, right? Oh, that's what I mean. The analytics are exactly even yeah. in the passing game. Like, they are exa- the same pass pass rush productivity metric, like, on the flip side for offense. Yeah, no, their pass block win rate, uh, not only are they are they relatively equal, but they're, it's also both extremely high, right? They're also yeah. both, like, above 90% in their pass block win rate, which is interesting. Who's better, Peters or Mylotta? I think Peters is playing better left tackle than Mylotta is right now. But I also think when Mylotta is out there... The Eagles give him more help than they do when Peters is out there. And I think when you give Mylotta more help, and then also add in the fact that he's Mylotta and how he's playing, the protection off the left side is probably better with Mylotta plus how the Eagles are slowly onboarding him versus when the Eagles are like, ah, Jason Peters, he's good. And just kind of chuck him out there. So, you know, okay, if you want to make the argument Peters is playing better than Mylotta, whatever, whatever, I think protection's been better on the left side of the line since Mylotta took over at left tackle versus the first two games when Peters was the, le- was the left tackle. That's my right. opinion. So from there, we expound. Well, if you're looking to give less help, you know, you put Peters out there, maybe that opens up your offense a little bit more. I don't really think so. The Eagles have been going more spread recently anyway. It's not like they have elite pass catching tight ends right now that they want to unlock. Their starting tight end is Richard Rodgers. You know, Goddard's probably not going to be back for this game. So hey, watch your mouth about Dick Rod, all right? Yeah, Keep yeah. But so the, the point here being, it's not as, you know, Miles Sanders is going to be out. It's going to be Boston Scott. It's not as if the Eagles are wasting valuable, really valuable resources here yeah. helping out Mylotta. And if you're sliding to Mylotta, right, if you're sliding to the left-hand side, well, if Matt Pryor's over there, if Jack Driscoll's over there, yeah, that's a problem. And usually when Driscoll's out there, when Pryor's out there, they slide to the right. If they can. Mm-hmm. But if Lane's there, right? Lane's starting right tackle. Then, yeah, sliding to my lot is no problem. Of course you're going to slide. You don't want to slide to Lane anyway. Lane doesn't do well with slide protection. So I, I, I think that you can make a solid argument stem to stern that leaving my lot at left tackle is not a measurable drop off to the point where installing Peters at right guard and leaving my lot at tackle is a clear improvement at your guard position. And we haven't even seen Peters take a snap at guard yet. But I'm here to tell you. <laughs> He's better than Sua Peta. Uh, Sua did not have a good game against the Giants. Herbig had one of his worst game against the Giants as well. And that's a good defensive tackle from, but you just assume Peters is going to be better in there. So mm. I'd like to see them get my lot at left tackle, Peters at right guard, Lane at right tackle. Now, if in Dallas week, Lane's not going to go, which I think they should sit Lane and give him Same. you know this week and then the, the, the bye week, uh, time yes. to recover, time to recuperate. Then, yeah, I think Peters at left tackle, my lot at right tackle is your best tackle alignment right now. Matt Pryor, if he's anything, is a guard. He is not a tackle. Right. I don't, that, that don't bother me. Jason Peters at left tackle, Jordan Mylotta at right tackle this week. But if we get back to healthy lane and it's Peters at left tackle, lane at right tackle, my lot on the bench, that's a misappropriation of your resources. You can't be out here with my lot on the bench and Sua Opeta and Nate Herbig playing at guard because neither Sua Opeta nor Nate Herbig has played as well as Jordan Mylotta has this year. 
And if you got Jack Driscoll on the bench as well, because they think he's a tackle, that's even, I think, a further mis- misuse of your resources. I think Driscoll has played better than Herbing and Opet have this year. I know people are really mm-hmm. big on Herbing, but I, I he's like average to me. I, yeah. Driscoll's been, I think, impressive in what he's done at right tackle. So it's a little bit of a difference between what you expect to see in this week before the bye with Lane's health considered versus long term. And then when you throw in the development aspect of it, that can get overblown. Like yeah. how much development is Jordan Mylai going to get from getting absolutely hammered by Demarcus Lawrence all game? Not a lot. Like it's, you're not going to learn a ton. I mean, like it's not going to bring his confidence up. But I overarching, right, on the scope of a season, those snaps are beneficial. Mylai has yes. been sitting on the bench for two years. Eventually, you got to put the boy in the water, sink or swim. All right, and, and and he's largely swam through the first four or five weeks of the season. So this week, Peter's left tackle. Okay. But if you're taking Mylotta off the field to leave Sua Opeta or Nate Herbert on the field immediately after the bye, and obviously you might be getting Isaac Sam on the back, to me that that that's a bad decision. That's bad yeah. long term for you in Mylotta's development, and it's bad short term for you because Mylotta hasn't been that bad. Yeah, I agree. So short term I'm with you for this game. That's fine. And I definitely agree that they should rest Lane and give him the bye because, I mean, he played last week. He played one drive and he had to come out. Get the guy healthy and and get him when you need to uh, really get into the teeth of, of your schedule, which is coming up very, very soon. Uh, let, let's kind of take a look at this. Uh, the rest of this Dallas defense as they pair up with the Eagles offense. The Dallas defense is 32nd in points allowed per game with 34.7, which if they keep that up, I think it may be the worst of all time. And definitely going back over the uh, over the decade from what I've researched. And what's crazy about that is they have actually performed average in the red zone. It's just that teams are gifted so many drives in their territory and they are leaking yards to the tune of 400 plus per game, which is 27th in the league. Offenses have been super uber efficient against them which is reflected in in their uh, DVOA of 30 Uh, and and it's not just efficiency that's carving them up Dallas is tied for third in allowing explosive plays of 20 yards or more and believe it or not although I don't know why you wouldn't it's the run defense that ranks worse in that category uh, tied for most allowed with the Bengals Texans and the Philadelphia football Eagles which we'll talk about but this should be a game where the Eagles are able to generate some splash plays and I mean the middle of the defense is absent for the Cowboys the outside yeah. of the defense has been getting toasted. The safeties are meh. This defense is is all edges. It's Demarcus Lawrence. To a lesser extent, it's Alvin Smith. It was becoming Everson Griffin until he was shipped off to Detroit so they could save three mil. That means probably Randy Gregory sees more snaps. I mean, beyond all that, they look like one of the worst coach units in the league that, that have players that were brought in to fit a specific seam. And now that scheme has changed. Like there's no effort. There's no cohesiveness. There's no toughness. There's no identity. It stinks. And it it's what we and many others were warning people about. And it's actually somehow worse than that. And perhaps that would have been salvageable when the offense was putting up 40 burgers. But that's done because QB1 is hurt. And um, to a much lesser extent, QB2 is out. So right. they can't compete in these boat races. And as a result, they're getting blown up and blown out. By teams like the Washington football team. So, Ben, like, do you see this as a challenge at all for the Eagles? And if it is a challenge, like, what what does that even, like, look like against this defense? I have a question for you. You said, um, you know, they, they brought in players for a specific scheme, and then that scheme has changed. How has the scheme changed for you? I mean, the coverages that they're running, like, they, they went from, like, Oh, what's... you talked about, like, you meant, like, Chris Bouchard 2019 yeah. versus Mike Nolan. Oh, I thought you meant, like, Mike Nolan 2020 to Mike no. Nolan 2020. And I was like... No, they won't <laughs> stop doing all these things that don't work. They Correct. refuse to change. Yeah. <laughs> this is the funny thing. There was a great piece on, on CBS uh, CBS Sports, Patrick Walker, 
uh, from a few weeks ago, which the headline reads, um, Cowboys sticking with Mike Nolan after historically bad defensive start in 2020, quote, we're staying the course, which to me is hilarious, right? Like, ah, historically bad start. Let's change nothing. Um, but that's how, how it's been for Mike Nolan right now and for the defense. So when Chris Richard was fired and Mike Nolan was brought in, they, they, they wanted to take what, what Richard was doing, which they considered simple, which there mm-hmm. were quotes about how the, the Cowboys never disguised any coverages and so on and so forth. And they wanted mm-hmm. to make that more complex. They wanted to make that more uh, difficult to, to identify yeah. a little bit more conflation, a little bit more disguising tendency, a little bit more confusion. The Cowboys defense is confused. <laughs> All the opposing offenses aren't. And right. they so fundamentally, we start at the interior and we work to the outside. They are trying to two gap on the defensive line mm-hmm. with Tristan Hill, Antoine mm-hmm. Woods, Neville Gallimore, and the shell of Don Terry Poe. They're out and of it's their minds. Horrible. <laughs> they can't, the Eagles are going from, I would argue, the, the uh, top five defensive tackle group in New York to a bottom five defensive tackle group in the Cowboys, in the teams that they're facing week to week. So the guards really struggled, as I, as I said, against the Giants. They're going to be better against the Cowboys because the opposing team is, is is not nearly as good. You go to the linebacking core, which has two really big names in it, Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. I'm here to tell you, Jalen Smith has not played well since 2018. We talked about this last year. He's not a good ball player. The, the, the Eagles passing game in 2019 against the Cowboys was fine 54 and high low. Him. We're going to put one route in front of him. We're going to put one route behind him. And he's got no idea what to do. And that's held through two games against the Eagles last year, many other teams last year, and through seven weeks of the season this year. Smith is one of the worst coverage linebackers in the league right now, and Eagles fans know how frustrating and how difficult that'll be with because we also have one of the worst coverage linebackers in the league right now. Meanwhile, Leighton Van Der Esch, who's back from injury, is still playing fast, and he's still playing aggressive, and he's still willing to hit, but he and Smith need to make a lot more decisions behind a two-gapping defensive front, and they are not equipped to do so. They make poor decisions. Jalen Smith is regularly suckered in by motion, by, by play-action fakes. Leighton Van Der Esch is constantly reacting to the first player that he sees. So if you get a jet motion guy in the backfield uh, on the mesh point, if you start getting Jalen Hurts into the backfield, you're going to break these linebackers' brains. And especially when, when Van Der Esch is healthy, he takes Joe Thomas off the field. Joe Thomas is the only good linebacker they got. 48 can play. <laughs> he can. And they, yeah, and he's off the field in base sets when Van Der Esch is healthy, which he is coming into this week. You should be able to run the football against this team. They have, besides Lawrence, Alden Smith, Randy Gregory, they have smaller edges that you can move in the running game. They have poor interior defensive linemen who struggle to two-gap, and they have linebackers who don't read well. They'll be aggressive. They'll get some tackles at the line of scrimmage because they play fast, but they will give up some explosive gains. You should expect to be able to run. And then you get to the passing game, which is somehow measurably worse. (laughs) Than the running game. They yeah. give up explosive plays at a significantly higher click than any other defense in the league. It's because their corners are bad, right? Trevon Diggs is not playing well. Rookie second round pick out of Alabama. Bad. They just cut Daryl Worley, who was their starter through four weeks. <laughs> they tried to they tried to trade him and everybody was like, no. Yeah, absolutely. Zero percent chance. <laughs> and they had Anthony Brown and Jordan and Jordan Lewis both playing in starting roles opposite Trevon Diggs, both those guys are slot corners. They could not deal with size. Chidobia Wouzier is expected to come back uh, for this game against the Eagles. They've desperately needed him. He was injured yes. after week two, so he'll be their starting outside corner. And he's probably, of the names that you listed, is probably the best of the bunch of those yes. corners, right? Yeah. He is, and he's not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, after 2019, it was very clear that he needs to be an off-cover zone corner. Mm-hmm. He can't play man. 
Right. And Mike Nolan sticks him in man. Mike this Nolan sticks everybody in man. Yes. Got, yeah. They've Trevon Diggs in man covered eight yards off the ball. It looks like Rasul Douglas, 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> like, yeah, this guy's talented, but he can't play in this alignment. Yeah. Can't do it. Doesn't have the speed. Doesn't have the turn. It, it, it's a complete misappropriation of, of your, of your resources. So. Deep vertical is always available. Return of Jalen Rager is extremely interesting here. The Eagles used him as a ton as a deep vertical receiver on the outside in week one. They stopped doing that in week two, and they've largely went away from that throughout the season as they've realized protection doesn't hold up for them. I think they're going to try to go back to that a little bit with Rager, especially with Fulgham filling that intermediate role for them. Rager, they're going to look for deep speed. The Cowboys do not have a single impact safety on this roster. Xavier Woods is a box safety masquerading as a free safety. Donovan (laughs) Wilson is a special teamer who's only playing because Darian Thompson looked good during camp and now looks horrible as a starter. The safeties have no idea where they're going at any given time. They try to rotate these guys. They're constantly in the wrong spots. They're constantly have bad leverages bad angles they can't tackle intermediate coming downhill this would be a 200 yard Zach Ertz game if Zach Ertz looked like anything he's looked the past five years obviously not healthy but like beating safeties with leverage these guys cannot play into number two they can't relate to routes successfully at all they have no concept of spacing so yes this should be the game where the Eagles are able to pass the football explosively if they cannot this is a that, that's horrible, terrible, very bad news. The only way is if the Cowboys are dominating with edge pressure. Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith. That's the only answer for the Cowboys right now. Is those players regularly beating the Eagles tackles, which if it's my lot and Peters, yeah, I mean like that's not a great tackle setup there for Philly. If you can chip those edges, if you can slow down those edges, Wentz is going to have Fulgham and Rager regularly uncovering, and he's going to have opportunities for deep shots as well. I remember in training camp, they cut HaHa Clinton Dix because Darian Thompson was playing mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. freaking well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Boy. And Darian Thompson's snap counts have gone 79%, 51%, 95%, 5%, 22%, 13%, 28%, <laughs> which Oops. tells you everything you need to know about how Darian Thompson's been playing. Absolutely. And as we take a look at the DraftKings Sportsbook uh, official line of this game, we've seen a serious shift in just a day as it looks more and more likely that Dalton misses out with his concussion. Uh, And I've seen the news. Ben is waving at me. We are going to save this news. We're going to tease it before the break. I know exactly what you're talking about. With this line, it has gone. (laughs) Ben doesn't know what to do with himself. The Eagles were favored seven and a half points, uh, and now it's nine points. That changed in 24 hours. The over-under is set at 43, which is a small step down from what we saw before as well. That means Vegas is predicting a scoreline of Eagles 26, Cowboys 17. Do the Eagles score more than 26? Does it matter if they don't? All very good questions. Uh, I think it does depend maybe on what Dallas scores and how early those points come, despite how stinky this defense is. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. Over 26 for the Eagles. What about you, Ben? You're gonna have to focus in, brother, because this is <laughs> this is this is crazy news, right? Over twenty six. Yeah, that's a lot. Don't be afraid to be great. Yeah, they'll do it. Why not? Okay. I very much like for them to do it. <laughs> I think so. I don't. I I don't feel like strongly about that, but I think they can get twenty eight. So that's the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. When we come back, we're gonna come back with some bombshell news that could cost the Eagles the season. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Select Show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
And we are back here on the Kiss and Soul Act Show, episode 204, brought to you by the Five Poker SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, we teased it before the break. Let's get into it. The bombshell news that could cost the Eagles the season. Uh, Eagles have placed Nate Gary on injured reserve. And Jannard Avery. And Jannard Avery. And Jannard Avery. But Nate Gary is the big one. Your, your brain of the defense is now out for a while. Just, he did not practice today with an yeah. ankle is the last I saw. Now right, yeah. it looks pretty bad for him, which I mean, look, I don't want to see anybody get hurt at the same time. Are you, are you really losing anything? If you miss on right, this, this, this is, this is, this is the interesting thing. Like, yeah. So Nate Gary had the ankle injury. I don't remember him getting it. Number one, right. he played 100% of the snaps last week, right? I thought so. I didn't, I didn't. Nate Gary played 92% of the snaps last week, which was his yeah. lowest number. But also, they've kind of, like, you know, been taking him off the field a little bit. Alex Singleton, man. All right, anyway, focus. Nate Gary played 92% of the snaps. I don't remember him getting injured in the game. I don't remember him leaving with injury at all. If, I'm, if we're wrong on that, please let us know. So, this happened, what, in practice? Again, another it practice injury? It must have, but, like, he didn't participate. I think I'm looking at the Wednesday practice report. Like, I don't think he was, like, a midweek ad. I just think that's kind of how it was. So this is from the 29th, so it was yesterday. What was? Hey, what was... listen, listen. They throw Nate Gary and Jannard Avery on IR after the pressers. That's so annoying. Yeah, right? I mean, okay, maybe they didn't the... know, but still. Because now we can't ask. Here's the Wednesday practice report. He didn't participate. So he picked something up during the game or early in the week doing something, and now he's just on IR? What in the hell is that? Right. Now, now I'm curious if, number one, if he's been banged up, then that is, oh, this is, wait, this is literally insane. No, we're not, we're not going to do the thing where like, oh, he played stinky all 2019 and no. he had the core muscle injury. We find because, out. Okay, like, because you're, I was, you're I was about to say the Giants okay. game was, I think the best game I've seen Nate Gary play in a while. Yeah, me too. I it agree. was quality. Like, yeah, that was like, that guy can stay on the field. Now, obviously, the Giants have no idea how to script the passing game. But, right. like, against the run, he was solid. I You're agree. telling me he was banged up and he was good? How is this? Yeah. Nothing about Nate Gary is understandable. Nothing is explicable. Okay. Like, he Nate actually Gary, did his job, uh, which was right. shocking to me. But go ahead. Nate Gary being out is interesting for the Eagles long term. Because, number one. You're obviously you're getting TJ Edwards back this week. Mm-hmm. So you're you're still gonna be basing Edwards, Duke Riley, and Alex Singleton. But with Gary out, there's more room to get a guy like Sean Bradley into the rotation, or to get a guy like Davian Taylor into the yep. rotation. Because obviously the Eagles think Nate Gary is their best linebacker. So you're not likely to take your best linebacker off the field to put your fourth best or fifth best linebacker on the field. But when the first linebacker is already gone, then there's a little bit more room. So that's number one. Number two. You cannot conceivably justify having Nate Gary on the field for his pass defense. It's impossible. <laughs> and they don't try to do it. And it's not done. It can't be done. Yeah. Let's say you play TJ Edwards and, and Alex Singleton as your base Mike and your base Will, which given how they've played the last couple weeks, that's going to be my projection for the, the, right. the team here. The yeah. only way it wouldn't be is if they don't think Edwards can get the signals in and then maybe they get Duke Riley. I don't know. Anyway. If your run defense remains successful with Gary gone, you now officially have zero leg to stand on, which, mm-hmm. yes, they've had zero leg to stand on for a while. <laughs> but if you can get lined up and play the run, that's the whole point of like every time you try to justify Gary, every time they get asked about Gary, it's he lines us up. He's our leader. And, you know, he's good. Part of our run defense is in our blitz packages and whatever in coverage. Listen, if you 
remain solid against the run. They're obviously still going to be bad against the pass because their entire team is bad. But like, you like Nate Gary being absent is proof of concept that he's really potentially not bringing anything to this defense, which is what I think you and I would argue. Mm-hmm. So I, I there's an opportunity here for the young guys, which Eagles fans have been clamoring for, and that's you know a, a good thing that hopefully they take advantage of. But there's also an opportunity here to say, listen, this is the defense. And is Nate Gary the entire problem with the defense? No. no. I don't think the defense is going to get straight better with Gary out there because I don't think Nickel Roby Coleman and Jalen Mills and Alex Singleton are all going to be taking snaps. That's all going to be bad. But if the absence of Gary costs you nothing, then yeah. what is he bringing to the team? What is he bringing when he's on the field? Because it's been very hard to argue he brings much of anything thus far. He's on a contract year, isn't he? Yes. Or, or am I tripping? No, 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 no. Because he was drafted 2017. So, yeah. This is a contract year for him. They need to find out some answers. I remember when the when when Mike Hayes suggested that they might try to extend him uh, this season. I lost my freaking mind. Well, uh, why, why why wouldn't they? Why would why why wouldn't they extend him, Mike? They've been happy with that when he's done. But pff, why wouldn't they extend him? Is a great question. They, I I fully expect them to extend him. They think he's a good football player. Same. I expect them to right. to keep Derek Barnett around forever. I expect them to keep Jalen Mills around forever. Right like, now, but if if Nate Gary is off the field, and like you know, I've never been rooting harder for T.J. Edwards in my life. T.J. <laughs> Edwards plays well, it makes it easier to move on from Nate Gary, and this is depending on what happens with him. But yeah. the thing is, like Gary isn't the worst dude in the world to have on your linebacking core. It's just if he's the third dude off, like he's great on special teams. If he's like the right. fourth dude, he just can't be linebacker one. Right, and so. Right. And, but obviously, when when he goes to get paid, he's going to want to get paid as a guy who's started for the past two years, which is what he's done. So, Nate Gary on injured reserve, Jannard Avery on injured reserve. Obviously, that doesn't really, you know, Jannard Avery was taking ten snaps a game. Uh, you know, they, they they had he had the really fun game against San Francisco. That was exciting, but that's clearly not really going to be him him long term. Okay, the Eagles now have four open roster spots. Yeah, who are you getting? Do you know? Well, okay. Let me, I'm just going to say how, one how, word. How deep can you dig for, for guys? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm just going to say one word, trade. If I, okay. if they're sitting with a bunch of open roster spots right before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not, obviously, and obviously they're not going to be taking on bad contracts, but like under what, under what circumstances though, would they be making a trade where they get more players than they would be offloading? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's only if they're trading Alshon for like, th- what, three rookie contract practice squatters like what like uh no it's like a baseball deal <laughs> yeah no that doesn't that doesn't make sense that's not how it's gonna be for yeah it's not it's not that's nah, not a trade dang it i've seen suggestions you know with linebackers zach cunningham from the houston texans doesn't make a whole lot of sense financially and he's also been bad this year avery williamson has not been great uh i don't like that trade either like i i really don't know i do think they could acquire talent i don't think it's gonna be a big splash move mm-hmm. okay so like right goddard goddard peters and rager have all been put into their practice windows so my guess is that, you know, they've got four spots open. Three of them are going to go to Rager, to Peters, and to yeah, true. Goddard, you know, and, and obviously. And then you promote like T.Y. McGill or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure all three of them get activated for this week. I think Rager and Peters are expected and Goddard, they're kind of crossing their fingers, but I would personally be surprised. Um, but you need to have those spots open. I mean, they didn't just throw Gary and Avery on IR to open those spots. They would have, you know, like cut JJ or somebody. <laughs> Please God cut JJ. Um, but but like that's that's probably where those spots are gonna go. So four roster spots open sounds more exciting than it is. Sad. All right. So we'll we'll guess we'll kind of finish up this preview here. I mean with the Dallas offense, Eagles defense. Uh, Dallas offense, man, I could cite a bunch of rankings and and whatnot like I did for the defense, but none of it matters because none of it applies. Uh, no Dak, now no Dalton, 
this offensive line is badly banged up. Uh, speaking of that, though, Zach Martin returning is big for the offensive line. I mean, they can't protect the quarterback before or after the play. Last week, Andy Dalton was pressured on 46% of his dropbacks and got his helmet sent to the moon. Uh, Danucci was pressured on 67% of his dropbacks. Uh, even with Martin coming back, I think this is a feast game for the Eagles defensive line. PFF agrees as the Eagles have their fourth biggest advantage in the trenches against the pass when looking at the week uh, eight slate here. Uh, but Ben, when, when I talked about it with Mark Schofield on the QB factor, he admitted that like you usually wouldn't want to blitz a rookie in this scenario because you give him hot reads to throw to early and whatnot and kind of give him some outs. But in this one, he said, you might as well stack the box and bring the house. Do, do you think we see that or do you think we see a game where Jim Schwartz basically sits on his hands and says, look, if you can churn out a 14-play scoring drive with Ben DiNucci and the dried-out husk of what was once Ezekiel Elliott, be my guest because I'm betting against that all day, right? Yeah, it's interesting because we don't know exactly what the Ben DiNucci offense is going to look like for the Cowboys. Were I, you know, were I a betting man, they're going to try to run the football a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that's that's going to be the, the approach. Ben DiNucci at JMU had himself a little, you know, red zone scamper package, right? A little zone read, a little power read, a little fun stuff. Because uh, he's not slow. He yet. Let's say, yeah, he can wiggle a little bit. So I would guess Elliot, heavy Elliot usage, heavy Danucci usage. Worth noting that they've been integrating Tony Pollard a lot more into the offense recently, especially with the absence of uh, Dak Prescott. Which I, is, it has it, been great, right? Like statistically anyway. No, I mean, they're trying to get him some some like explosive plays with underneath targets, which yeah. I don't know. Why, just have somebody throw it up to Michael Gallup. It's a higher <laughs> percentage play. Like, this is right. just not difficult, but they're making it hard for themselves. So, you know, so they, and then they try to run it with Pollard on some zone stuff. And he's, I think, been like semi-successful there. But their offensive line is really struggling. So that's been tough for them. With no Blake Jarwin, is he was obviously injured to start the year. They can't really go as heavy as they want to. But right. I would not be surprised to see some usage of 12 personnel, some usage of some tight alignments, which Kellen Moore has always done, in the event to get some extra angles, get some extra blocks. And then, yeah, Jim, Jim Schwartz is going to do what he always does and what he especially does against bad quarterbacks, which is he's going to load the box and he's going to dare them to throw the football on them. Now, the Eagles' corners are ill-equipped to deal with the Cowboys' receivers. So this is a good matchup on paper because – they're going to hammer this Cowboys offensive line and they're going to spank Ben DiNucci, right? Who is uh-huh. not a not not a calm person in the pocket by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Ben DiNucci freaks out under pressure and he's a seventh round rookie from an FCS program. That's right, not to be expected. Yeah. The Cowboys have gone through 11 offensive line combinations so far this season per uh, uh, Bob Sturm of The Athletic which is second only to the Eagles 14. That's not an unofficial stat, but it probably is. Um, Zach Martin potentially coming back means you're looking at Cam Irving at left tackle. Connor Williams, their starting left guard, still holding down that spot. Tyler Biotas, their rookie out of Wisconsin, who they got trading up with the Eagles, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, their starting center. Uh, Zach Martin at right guard and Terrence Steele at right tackle. Williams, Biotas, and Martin on the interior, not too shabby. Fletcher Cox usually has Zach Martin's number a little bit. It's always been a great matchup, so I think they'll see an advantage there. Left tackle, Cameron Irvin, right tackle, Terrence Steele, brother. Brandon Graham's going to have two and a half sacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Brandon Graham is playing at a great yeah. level this year. Brandon Graham, dude, dude, it's going to be a double-digit sack here for Brandon Graham. He's finally going to get I one. You I have to believe. Four of them should come against Terrence Steele. <laughs> Yes, he's going to, I think he's going to wax Darren Steele. I think he's going to beat him around the yard. It's worth noting Mm -hmm. that Ezekiel Elliott has historically been an Eagles killer. 
you know, in, in 2016, 27 carries for 103 yards. 2018, 19 carries for 151 yards. 28 carries for 113 yards. They use him a ton against the Eagles. They gave him 13 targets in 2018 as well. Uh, yep. 22 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown in 2019. But then in that final game of the year, when Prescott was hurt, he had 13 carries for 47 yards. Right. They suffocated him. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they Listen, you, we're going to make you beat us some, somewhere else. Right. And you have the opportunity to do that again with Danucci as the starting quarterback. So they're going to lower the box. Darius Slay, I imagine, will trap with Amari Cooper. He used to do that when he was in Detroit, which is going to give you Nickel Roby Coleman or Avante Maddox. Is Maddox available? Yep. Yep. He started. Yeah. Yeah. That gives you Maddox and Michael Gallup. Gallup should get 15 targets. Uh, and, you know, you're talking about Nickel Roby Coleman or Cravon LeBlanc on C.D. Lamb. It's another big opportunity. So they're going to load the box. They're going to take away Elliott. And they're going to tell Danucci, beat us with your wide receivers. Danucci is willing to throw into coverage. And he's going to mm-hmm. be willing to get rid of the ball hot quick as well. All it takes is one stupid missed tackle. And this is all of a sudden, you know, 7-0 on the opening drive with a 74-yard bomb to Michael Gallup. And the world's so, ending, yeah. Right. That's the thing is, is, is they're, in most realities, take away the running game. The Cowboys are going to stay run heavy on early downs because they're terrified and they always do that. You're going to get them in the long and lay down in distance. You're going to blitz Danucci. You're going to rush with four. You're going to win on the outside and you're going to sack him. And that's probably what's going to happen. But if the Cowboys are smart slash Danucci, you know, has his, his – druthers like you know he 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 goes for it they're gonna get quick passes on early downs and they're gonna tell lamb cooper and gallup be better than that secondary and they are besides slutty they're mm-hmm. much better this is the best wide receiver core in the league against one of the worst secondaries in the league so this can go left quick yeah and it kind of depends on if the cowboys are willing to let Danucci rip for better or for worse i don't think they will because i think it's jerry jones and he's obsessed with Ezekiel and whatever but there is that reality and we should be fearful of that because that'll make this thing a a, a boat race and that does not suit the eagles well well joe webb action (laughs) i know that's the name i know that's the name on a lot of people's lips right now but who was who was joe webb last year it was uh it wasn't luke falk no it wasn't david fails because he was hurt it was luke falk that's what everybody thought he just got absolutely destroyed i can't imagine the spike in like difficulty and play speed coming from james madison and then coming into the Mm -hmm. nfl against the Washington defensive line that is just wood chipping your offensive line as you drop back and try to say, okay, left foot, right foot, left foot, look here. Okay, shoulder set. All right, cool. No, <laughs> just, just ter- yeah, terrifying. His, his process is a little bit segmented right now. It's a yeah. little bit linear. I said you could hear him working through his drop mechanics through the film. Like, it was yeah. very apparent. He was very aware of what he And the he thing is, like, he's willing to, like, get to his hot read against the Blitz yeah. and stuff like that. It's just, like, it definitely needs to speed up by multiple clicks, number yeah. one. And then number two, if you pressure him, he will make prayer throws. And that's the opportunity for interceptions. And the mm-hmm. turnover battle is really big here. Philadelphia had three turnovers against the Giants, and that's the only reason why they hung around in that game. Short fields are critical for the Eagles' offense, not to mention capitalizing on those short fields in the red zone, which, mm. you know... That red zone performance because the Giants was bad. I think it was an aberration. I kind of went through numbers and film, and I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but you got to be able to capitalize because you're going to get turnovers. Ezekiel Elliott is fumbling at an unbelievable click, <laughs> and Ben DiNucci is going to absolutely fumble the football when he's sacked, or he's going to throw a pick. Like that, you know, with a young quarterback like this, he's not going to be able to play mistake-free, especially on a defense as pressure-oriented as the Eagles. So let's let's give our final predictions here. We both said the over for the Eagles at, uh, at, at 26. I'm going to say it's 27 to 6. 
Eagles. I think only six oh, points wow. in this Cowboys offense. And no. they come in like weird ways, you know, like a pass no. interference and you set up for a field goal. There's no way the Cowboys only score six. This really? is the Eagles defense we're talking about. Come on. I know. It'll be a weird one where like they put up like 30 for no reason. Yeah. What do you What do you think though? How many th- points do you think they put up? 13. Okay. Okay. 15? I can see. Yeah. So t- a touchdown teams. and two field goals? Like you may, yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah. You were expecting well, a turnover from, from Carson Wentz? Is that what you're saying? That's very possible. I also, I, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like, brace yourself for. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, three step drop, quick slant to CD Lamb. Nickel mm-hmm. Roby Coleman's in a different zip code, and Ronnie McLeod has no idea how to take an angle because he's thirty. Yeah, and like that's going to be a big play. Uh, this, this. Wow, there's a straight bullet on Rodney McLeod there. Jesus I'll put it to you this way: when you, yeah. when you watch the Dalton Cowboys, yeah, you realize the extent to which it is difficult to not get. An explosive passing player, too, out of this receiving core. Dolan had to work hard to miss Amari Cooper 17 yards. You know what I mean? Like, Danucci can make that throw. He's going to try to 10 times. Nine times, he isn't going to have time. Nine times, he's going to have pressure, and he's going to have guys in his lap. He's going to have to move off it or whatever. But the one time it's open, it's going to be open. And and this is the Eagles' secondary. They are not trustworthy, right? Right. I mean, like, any time Daniel Jones had time, oh, Sterling Shepard just broke Jalen Mills' ankles. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's like... It's just that this team lives and dies by pressure, and you just can't get pressure that consistently to always eliminate the big play. Here's a fun alternate universe hypothetical I want to throw Oh, this doesn't way. sound like it's going to be fun. <laughs> Let's say in an alternate universe that the Dallas Cowboys traded for Ryan Fitz- Fitzpatrick, which is what I thought they should try, and I thought the Dolphins should hang up, right? Who else but Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in and save this freaking offense and just chuck it to the wide receivers that they have there? How many points did the Cowboys score in this game if Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a Jim Schwartz killer, is starting for the Cowboys today? How many points? How many points are you saying? Just take swap, everything the same. Take Ben DiNucci out. Put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Probably like twenty something, right? Like Ooh. like mid twenties, high twenties. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the the tackles are still so bad. True. Right. But yeah. like Ryan Fitzpatrick just seeing one on one on the outside and saying, "Here we go!" I really like that could be that see. could that was what they did against what Brian right. Allen against the San Francisco 49ers. Fitzpatrick lit up the 49ers just doing right. that. I really want to see Josh Sweat sack Ben DiNucci because <laughs> Ben DiNucci's Ben DiNucci's like six three, but he's like six three two zero something. He's like a thin dude, you know. What yeah. I mean? He's got like NFL weight room. He's got like a couple years, and Josh Sweat is just like big. And I think that I will enjoy, like, because you're going to get the camera angle, right. and Sweat's going to be the right defensive end. He's going to get around Cameron Irving, and he's just going to be just like this behemoth behind Ben DiNucci, <laughs> who's like, just got to the top of his drop. He's like, all right, and now process. Then he's going to get his, <laughs> his bell rung by Sweat. I think that, yeah, I, I my, like, bold prediction of the game is that, you know, I think the Eagles sack DiNucci four or five times, and I think Graham gets At least. two. I think Barnett gets one. I think Sweat gets one. I think they're going to be really productive off the edges. These tackles are horrible. And they're gonna they're gonna focus on on getting the rush from there. Danucci can scramble off that, but I just don't think it's gonna be consistent enough. But either way, yeah, I think like 28 13, 28 16. That's fine. 28 trusts the Eagles to score a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. 27 13, 28 16. That's what I think they cover comfortably for giving gambling advice. Oh, I'm not betting this game. I cannot emotionally deal with betting this game and then watching the Eagles subsequently lose to Ben DiNucci while I also lose money. Uh, I'll keep. I'll keep it real with you. I have. I haven't bet anything Eagles related since they lost the the Super Bowl to the Patriots. I haven't touched it. 
Never, oh. never. I've not made a bet on Anytime I need the Eagles to win a game, I bet against them. <laughs> Tremendous. Without fail. Only bet I've got correctly so far this year was, I think, the Steelers game. And I was like, I'll bet this. And then, like, they got the ball left down two with six minutes left. I was like, there's no way. And then Chase Maple touchdown, they covered. I love nice. it. Well, I don't love it. That was, uh, that sucked. But it was a fun game. Hopefully Listen, beat the Cowboys, 3-4-1, yeah. and one, division lead, Let's buyers go. at the trade deadline, are you with me? We are contenders at that point, and no one can say anything about it. Ben, <laughs> say goodbye to the gentle listeners. I think we did the thing. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Soul I show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. The Eagles getting healthier before the bye week. Divisional showdown, Sunday night football, prime time yet again. You love to see it. It's actually terrible. I wish it wasn't happening. Yeah. Or you apologize for the mess. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, Sunday Night Football, the Eagles. It's in Dallas? In Philadelphia. It's in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's in Philadelphia. It's in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's going to be a good time. If you go, please make sure you are safe and healthy. Uh, the bye week upcoming, if the Eagles win this, they are in sole possession of the lead of the NFC East, which is the worst partici- participation trophy of all time. If you've enjoyed the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. We haven't read reviews in a, in a while, Mike. That might be a bi-week activity for us. That'll be a fun time. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, if you want to. A little no, bi-week yeah, review let, week, read week, talk yeah. about things week. Yeah, so if you've left a review and we haven't gotten to it, then we'll read it during the bi-week. And if you have not put one but have been thinking about it, get it in so we can read it on our next show. And we'll uh, inform you of the entire bi-week schedule as it crystallizes in the post-game of the Cowboys-Eagles game, which we will be there for you if you are up at 2 a.m. like us in the immediate wake of Sunday Night Football. That show will be available for you bright and early on Monday morning. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at MichaelKistNFL's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Zollick on Twitter, at Benjamin Zollick. Okay. Thank you for listening. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.